The following podcast contains alcohol-enhanced conversations about alcohol, as well as the potential for the discussion about topics of dubious, disturbing, possibly offensive, but usually hilarious interest. The opinions stated herein are solely of the persons making them, and any endorsement of these opinions by any other party is not implied. Foul language is likely, but intolerant viewpoints are not. Listener intoxication is advised. Welcome to episode 27 of the Whiskey Tanya Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Ed. And for the Independence Day holiday, we thought we'd make a tradition out of focusing on whiskeys that have some connection either to the date or the events surrounding that date. Last year, in episode 8, we sampled Jefferson's very old, very small batch bourbon and talked about the influence that the founding fathers, Washington, Jefferson, and Hamilton, had on the production of whiskey in the early America. This year, we'll be focusing on two expressions from a relatively new brand that's a revival of a very old brand that dates back to the decades immediately following the founding of our nation. Also, like last time, joining us is our friend Jeff. Hello, I am back. And joining him once again is our friend Sue. Hello. Both of whom you've last heard back in episode 16 and that hilarious but slightly (laughs) nausea-inducing Halloween short. But first, Ed is here to light all the fireworks fuses by telling us which 4th of July-themed whiskeys we'll be discussing and hopefully enjoying tonight yeah thanks scott so james e pepper is the distillery and the brown i'm sorry it's the brand and, and i guess and the distillery I, is yeah, it i think yeah so <laughs> who knows we did some research right there's a lot of history coming <laughs> but to talk about the whiskeys themselves we're going to be talking about the straight bourbon whiskey the 1776 brand and the 1776 rye straight whiskey both coming in at 100 proof both supposed to be a resurrection of the recipe of the original James E. Pepper brand. Right. So we're going to drink it, but first a little bit of history about the brand. In the early 1800s, a man named Elijah Pepper began distilling whiskey in Versailles, Kentucky after buying a farm along Grassy Creek. After Elijah's death, his son Oscar inherited the distillery and built a larger one of his own near his father's. In the 1830s, Oscar hired James C. Crow as his master distiller, and together they created the Old Oscar Pepper and Old Crow brands, which at the time were quite popular and enjoyed a reputation for quality. Oscar died in 1867, and the distillery fell into confusion. Oscar's son James was still a minor and considered too young to legally inherit, let alone own and operate a whiskey distillery. So James took the case to court and won the right to inherit and own the distillery, but not to operate it. That job went to a court-appointed manager and James's legal guardian, none other than Colonel E.H. Taylor, Jr., who seems to pop up all over the place during this time in whiskey history. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Under Taylor's guidance and political and financial connections, the business continued to thrive, and together he and James planned an ambitious expansion of the distillery. However, in the late 1870s, the whiskey industry was hampered by overproduction from a glut of competing brands and the reduction in demand resulting from those bitches in the temperance movement. Oh. <laughs> right. That was where it started. And also the uncertain results of the presidential election, which caused it to go bankrupt. Yes. So in 18. 1876, uh, it was a very controversial election. And then the Compromise of 1877? 
Is that, yeah. is that right? The ended, ended reconstruction. Yeah. Um, and it caused Colonel E.H. Taylor, as Ed said, to go bankrupt. And the distillery became hopelessly entangled in his debts and was forced to be sold at auction. Right. And was sold to Leopold Lebrot and James Graham. And it is still operated today making Woodford Reserve yeah. on the exact same oh. beautiful, picturesque creek and distillery that we talked about during our origin stories about Woodford Reserve. But we didn't know that it was originally the no. old pepper distillery from the early 1800s. It's so interesting how sort of incestuous the whole business ends up being. Right, so LeBron and Graham bought that in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Of course, Woodford doesn't get made until no, right. 100 years after that. Sure. Uh, so just like that, James E. Pepper was suddenly out of the whiskey business. However, that didn't stop young James. No. Now having come of age, bearing the distinguished Pepper name and boasting some whiskey distilling experience of his own, it wasn't long before he was able to secure an impressive $25,000 to build a new distillery in Lexington. He trademarked his own namesake brand and used the marketing techniques he learned from Colonel Taylor to sell it, focusing on the kind of truth-stretching, nostalgia-heavy Americana we still see today. For example, even though his grandfather didn't actually start making whiskey until after 1800, James made sure that slogans like Born with the Republic and Old 1776 were used on his labels and placed in newspaper advertisements around the country. And was that their main source of marketing, newspaper advertisements? Yeah, pretty much. There was no radio. No. Um, Telegraph. placement. I mean, when you walk into a bar now, you still get you know free coasters and things like that i'm sure there's a lot of point of sale advertising was big then yeah and they did sponsor stuff for example i know that an early sporting event in 1910 the brand sponsored a fight between jack johnson and jim jeffries and there's actually pictures i've seen online of the james pepper whiskey banner in the background of the fighters yeah it's just interesting how much marketing plays in our world today absolutely and you know and back back then, then yeah you know basically either newspaper or just this guy in a wagon you know going from town to town sure another interesting thing is he also created a strip seal that was glued over the cork and down the neck of the bottle that had his signature on it and he used to advertise a warning to customers that if you come across a bottle of james e pepper whiskey whose seal is missing or torn it might not be real james e pepper whiskey well he helped change the law it used to be back in the day that if you were a distillery you could only sell your product by the barrel to a separate company that would bottle it. And he was getting pissed off because people were counterfeiting his stuff, putting shitty whiskey in 1776 bottles. Yeah. So he made the law that he could bottle his own shit. And that's why he put the strip over the top so people would know it was his authentic bottles. Correct. Uh, Very interesting. This was in uh, about 1890 mm-hmm. when uh, James himself became a larger-than-life force of nature. Right. As Ed said, he got the whiskey laws changed in Kentucky. He ended up owning a stable of horses that ran and won both in the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks races. One of his horses went across the pond and beat a horse owned by the King of England. Oh, damn. Oh. In their face. And whatever their big snotty races over there. Awesome. The brand, I mean, it could have been Jack Daniels back in 1895. It mm-hmm. was that big. Oh, yeah. He was that well known. He spent a lot of time at the Waldorf Astoria in yeah. New York, which is far away from Lexington, Kentucky, as you can get. Yeah, so he used to take his own rail car called the Old Pepper that was painted with images of his own whiskey labels. And when he got to New York, he would hang out with other captains of industry like John Jacob Astor, who would later die on the Titanic, Francis DuPont, Fred Pabst, Charles Pillsbury, John D. Rockefeller, mm-hmm. Cornelius Vanderbilt, Charles Tiffany, and Theodore Roosevelt. 
He even has been credited with helping to popularize the old-fashioned cocktail. Yes, the old-fashioned cocktail was supposedly invented in his honor in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. And he brought it with him to New York and shared it at the Waldorf Astoria, and they started making it there, and that's what kind of spawned it into New York. Right. So this is a guy that a lot of people haven't really even heard of, and he did all these amazing whiskey-related things. So why don't we stop for the info for a minute, because we have a lot more to talk about with this guy. Yes. So let's taste the bourbon. Because I, I, I really, I just want to. I'm very thirsty. I'm very thirsty. <laughs> yeah, we got some poured we'll in smell. our glasses, pre-poured. It's uh, the regular bourbon. It's about thirty-two dollars. Most places in New Jersey. I'm not getting a whole it lot. It smells sweet. They're sweet. It's not crazy floral. No. The mash bill's supposedly 38% rye, and I'm sure it's probably 5 or 10 malted barley. The rest will be corn. Yeah, I have uh, 4% malted barley. Okay. It's a very high rye bourbon. Hmm. Mm. It still has, it has more of a burn. <laughs> it's a little, yeah. yeah. It's a little, it's, it made me cough, which is funny. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ed and I are drinking out of the neat glasses. Ed, Jeff, what yeah. do you think? It hit me in the back of the throat. I got the burn too, but I'm I'm getting a, um like a burned, yeah, like sugar. Yeah, definitely burnt. I love that. Burnt sugar, great. Mm-hmm. So on the nose, you were supposed to smell um, cocoa, corn, cinnamon, nuts, marmalade, spice, strawberry, candy, vanilla, and oak. And I got none of that. I didn't get that. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't. On the palate, nuts, caramel, vanilla, cinnamon, corn, citrus, fruit, char, menthol, and oak. I get the char. Definitely like a menthol flavor at the very end. Huh. I'm going to tame mine with a little ice. Sure. Yeah, and no, see if that helps. Yeah, okay. May- maybe I okay. need to do that because it's a little strong like this. It's 100 it's proof. Yeah. It's 100 proof. All I'm tasting is basically the 100 proof. I get a very big menthol in the aftertaste. I don't know if anyone else has gotten that. Jeff, are you getting that at all? Because I definitely get your per- uh, uh, your burnt uh, sugar in the beginning. I, I have not. Well, you were a smoker. Did you smoke menthol cigarettes? I did for yeah. a short period of time. Yeah. So maybe you're more attuned to that flavor. Yeah. I'm going to start again tomorrow. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, sorry. Thanks, James Pepper. Yeah. Yeah. On the finish, you're supposed to taste uh, buttery corn, caramel, no. vanilla, spice, and oak. I'm not enjoying it. Well, you. I'm going to be dead honest with you. A friend of ours who owns a liquor store where I was able to buy the rye, no. he doesn't carry the bourbon because he's like, I don't really care for the bourbon. I like the rye, so I'm not carrying the bourbon in my store. I'm like, that's pretty boss, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I have to agree with him and Sue. Yeah. I'm not enjoying this at all. No. no, I don't. It's a very strange flavor, and I don't really care for it. But it's not thin. It doesn't taste immature or poorly created. It just doesn't taste good. Maybe it would be better in a cocktail, like with your lemonade. That's what's going to happen to this bottle <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, it will. I, we'll find that out. Yeah. Don't I tried worry. it straight. I tried it with ice. Yeah. And now I'm going to water it down with lemonade or something. Yeah. yeah know, honestly, so. that's first of all, with a $31.99 right, price it's $30, point, dollars, yeah. you can mix it with whatever the hell you want. There's yeah. no fucking shame. And you won't be shamed. Throw ginger beer on it. Throw Coke on it. Throw Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew. Whatever you Pretty much what you have to do with this one. Yes. I'm not even looking forward to finishing it. Yeah. Jeff, uh, how about you? Are are, are you as uh, down on it as we are? I think that (laughs) I'm biased because I'm remembering this. Oh, you're remembering the short that we did earlier. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 so I'm, I'm thinking of the scotch we were Jeff drinking. Jeff always goes back to the short. Remember we were doing the um, the other episode? We were talking about what, whether we liked the Breckenridge or the Angel M. He's like, I like the Walking Dead one. If I'm like an hour, can we bring that I one I like back? the one I brought. <laughs> yeah, can we go back to the one I brought? Let's drink that. 
<laughs> do, do, do you think it tastes similar, Jeff? Is that what you're trying to say? Is that what you're we're saying? We're in the whiskey wormhole again. Well, no, I can sip this. Oh, I see what you're saying. This is it, it's kind of harsh. Yeah, yeah. I want to add that, that what I tasted menthol in the I didn't say it was pleasant. It's a strange aftertaste in my mouth right now. I haven't taken a sip for like two minutes, and I don't like it. Yeah, like I'll never order this in my life again. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Jamesy e. Pepper. But uh, so this is um, sourced whiskey from MGP. Right. Uh, this is still not their stuff. They started yeah. to distill their own product in 2017. They've been yeah. around since 2008. Yeah. Love her, Sue's, so Sue, Sue's got to get the taste out of her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, she's not really far off. It's, she's I'm not, not wrong. Fin- I'm not finishing this. And that's happened maybe three times in our whole podcast uh, history. That's kind of amazing thing. That I'm not that. finishing it. I agree. It's very pedestrian. There's nothing special about it. We're more it leaves a shitty aftertaste in my mouth. I don't want in my mouth anymore. Yeah, wow. This is um Yeah, I take this out of my mouth. It's not it's not <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's a little better with ice and watered down a little bit, but it's still not something that, as Ed said, ever going to order or enjoy. Wow. You know, I was wondering wow. what would make a liquor store owner not carry a matching pair to the rye. I mean, they, everyone has both if you're going to have them. <laughs> right. He's so right. And he's like, I don't care for the bourbon. The bourbon's not good. The rye's good. Wow. So we'll see if he's right. Yeah. Because the bourbon wasn't good. Yeah. It was So, not. Billy. <laughs> if you're listening. Billy, if you're listening, <laughs> if, if you're doing your job and listening to my podcast like I've asked you to, <laughs> Billy's from Benash. And, and Benash, Billy, and we've Billy, talked Billy about Billy from Benash yeah, said that, that the bourbon's not very good. I think that he would be okay with me saying that. James E. Pepper's been dead since 1906, so I think he's probably not going to have to deal with it. <laughs> and we'll highlight that. Right, his the... death is actually kind of interesting coming up. It is. Because right now, it's like the death of my taste buds are celebrating. <laughs> So um, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get rid of the bourbon. We're going to bring out the rye. And we're going to give you some more information about this historic distillery. So we're going to leave him off. His horse racing farm is doing great. Right. He's one of the biggest names in bourbon. He's a capital of industry in New York City and in Kentucky. His wife's very supportive of him. Mm-hmm. Actually helped bail him out financially when yeah. he got in trouble. She's the one that kind of bought the horse racing side of it with her family money, I guess. Yeah. And then won some stuff, sold some horses, and then got the money to buy the distillery out of Auk when they got into trouble. This is after the E.H. Taylor. Yeah, she totally bailed him out of all that. Yeah. And so let's take a break and let's clean our glasses and get the rye out and see if we can save this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Party. All right. We might be just doing Bullet Rye Manhattans in another half hour. (laughs) I know. Okay, so we're back. We've dispatched the bourbons from our glasses and rinsed them. Poured it down the drain. And um, <laughs> quarantined it. And, uh, it's and, in the uh, other room. We were trying to finish it. We had like some like lime seltzer that we tried to dress it up with. We tried. There's just a lot of tears and hugging. And, <laughs> and, you know, was, and, and now we're back and uh, we've rebooted. We're optimistic about the rye. We've heard good things. Let's go. And it's kind of funny. We left off with James E. Pepper at the height of his career, you know, late 18, you know, 90s in mm-hmm. New York at the Waldorf Astoria. Big pimping. Yeah. And then. Uh, and then tragedy struck. 
1906, James E. Pepper died. It was in New York on an icy sidewalk. He literally slipped on the sidewalk and he struck his head on the ground and uh, died a few days later in the hospital. A very senseless death. He was only 56 years old. And having had no children of his own, his assets ended up being sold to a group of Chicago investors. Yeah, his wife didn't have any incentive after he died. She just kind of like took the money and went away. Yeah. So they, however, continued operating the distillery until that old bitch prohibition shut everything down. Fucking Prohibition. <laughs> Shenley Industries, as mentioned on our Prohibition Whiskeymentary, I'm sure you've all listened to that, right, Ed? Absolutely. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? It's, it's brilliant. Right. Uh, they swooped in and purchased Pepper's remaining whiskey stocks, ultimately buying the entire brand and distillery so that they could have a medicinal whiskey because they were one of the only few distilleries who were allowed to do that. Right, so they just basically expanded under their umbrella of, of allowedness. Allowance? Allowedness, Scott. Allowedness. Yes. <laughs> okay, I like it. That might be the first time it's ever been said. <laughs> under their allowedness. Everyone, Ed created a new word. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, unfortunately, as Shanley grew in size, the James E. Pepper brand became more and more marginalized as just one of dozens of brands under their label, and its sales began to falter. After a series of further setbacks, including austerity measures leading up to World War II and overproduction to compensate afterwards, the distillery was finally shut down in 1958, and once again, James E. Pepper was out of the whiskey business this time, it seemed, for good. However, there's a reason that we can still drink this whiskey bearing the name of James E. Pepper. In the early 1990s, the bourbon brand was revived by United Distillers, a Scottish company that had purchased Shenley in the late 1980s. Right. This whiskey was sold exclusively to the Eastern European market, which was seeing a surge in bourbon interest at the time. However, that renaissance was short-lived as United Distillers ended up selling most of their American whiskey brands to other distilleries and eventually merged with other companies to become Diageo, leaving the Pepper brand in limbo. Finally, though, in 2008, a man named Amir Pei, an entrepreneur and boxing fan, was inspired to research the brand after seeing an old print advertisement in the Library of Congress of the famed fight of the century that Ed had mentioned earlier, which took place on July 4th, 1910. Exactly. And after uncovering the story, which we just told you, Pei set out to acquire the abandoned pepper trademark, rebuild the derelict distillery, and bottle the brand once again by sourcing from MGP in Indiana, which is the whiskey that we're enjoying, well, sort of, here tonight. Who? So he's been collecting anything and everything that has to do with the original distillery. He has original whiskey. He's found some of the original bottles. So he must have tasted the original whiskey and, right. and then tried to replicate it with sourced whiskeys, right? Right. And just to throw a dash of irony, he hired one of the distillers from MGP where he sourced his whiskey from to come and be his new master distiller. <laughs> Poaching. Uh, right. Yeah. So it's that 95.5 MGP rye. Yeah, that we like in Bullet Mash, so that, much. That, that's been in Bullet. That's been in Angel Envy rye. That's been yep. in Whistlepig Tenure. It's, yep. it's It's been Redemption rye. We've, yep. we've tried it many different versions. Sagamore has used it. And funny, they're all different. They're all different. They're all different. So I'm expecting this to be different too. Now he's claiming this to be only two plus years old. That's the age statement for the rye. Yeah, I got that too. All right. So let's, uh, let's taste the rye. Well, first smell it. Mm. I get a little bit more in the nose than I got from the bourbon. Oh, definitely. I'm getting dill. A lot of dill. Yeah, I, I, 
got that. Which, Dill is the first thing listed in the whiskey jug for your nose. Yeah. I have whiskey jugs review up in front of me. So Very we powerful. mentioned this was 95.5 and a lot of other expressions that we've had. And those other expressions, I've never smelled dill no. in any of these. So mm-hmm. that's what makes this it's so always interesting. interesting. Anybody yeah. smell copper? Copper? I know. That's what it, you're supposed to get copper on the nose. <laughs> like a penny? Like a penny in your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did exactly I bite, what I was thinking of Did I bite penny. my lip? Am I bleeding in my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Never take me alive, copper. <laughs> I'm the novice. Yeah. yeah. You know, 100% novice here. And when you guys talk about like, okay, I smell vanilla, dill, you know, whatever. I'm just totally blown away. Well, yeah. we're blown away by this guy. So this guy smells copper. Do you like, smell anything? I smell the usual. If you go to somebody's place like, okay, did you like the dip? Yeah. <laughs> you know, did you like you, the dip? <laughs> you, know, you know, like, well, there was hints of dill, you know, and there was an aftertaste of Dijon, you know. There was a lot of sour cream. It was, it was very creamy. You know. <laughs> Spinach, you know. So, <laughs> it's either like a bigger burn, lesser burn, you know, maybe more of a vanilla, less of vanilla. But when you start going into yeah. like dill, uh, you totally lose me. Well, dill is something that rise have. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. When we started, I used to be like, no, no, seriously, like we used to be like this when I when I first started, I'd be like this. Yep, smells like whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, like you like the dip? Yeah, it's good. I have to tell you right now, though, this <laughs> nose. Is very distinctive. Very distinctive. I All agree. Right, so let's taste it. All right. This is really, I mean, awful. <laughs> no, I don't think it's awful. It's very spicy. It's very Not spicy. Not sweet at all. I like this one a lot. This uh, this one I like a this, whole this lot. This is in Scott's wheelhouse. Oh, it's a, it's a fuck yeah. highly peppery, spicy rye. It does not have a lot of sweetness to it. Definitely Ooh. better than the bourbon. I got to hit it again, though. This is a cross between the Willet uh, family state rye that we've had and bullet rye. Like if you mix those two together in, in its own little mini infinity bottle, I think this is what you'd get. I totally get the pepper. Oh, ah, there you go. Right, yeah, and I white pepper, pepper, like right out of your kitchen table. Like. It's like when I cursed and my mom put pepper in my tongue mm. when I was little. <laughs> well, you were so, you a bad girl. Bad girls. I, <laughs> talking about the sad girls. Yeah, the uh, finish is white pepper, dill, clove, a little bit of oil, nuts, and fruit. Hmm. There's no pepper on the palate. I don't get any fruit. You get fruit? I don't get fruit either right now, but give me a second. Um, (laughs) I I just put some ice cubes on it, so I'm going to see if the flavor opens up. Because remember, it's still 100 proof. It's still 100 proof. Yeah, I'm doing that too. I can't get past the dill. I feel like I'm drinking from like a pickle barrel. Pickle juice. Pickle, like. (laughs) I know, she's incredulous. Okay. How are you guys tasting this? I'm going to say this. I'm going to. I'm going to say this right now. Mm. It's a very good rye whiskey. I don't love it. It's not my type of rye whiskey. Wow. There's yeah. not. There's no sweet ending to it for me. It's just pepper, spice. Oh, wait. Here's some more pepper and spice. Um, exactly. Isn't that what Billy said? No. It's what the guy, oh. the, the researcher, I was listening to a review of the bourbon. Okay. And the guy said, well, the rye is the spiciest rye on the market. Yeah. And so I wonder if the bourbon is, he said, because it's so high rye. And the bourbon was not. Uh, no, anyway, not particularly spicy at no. all. If you like rye, like bullet rye, if you like Sagamore cognac finish, if you like whistle pig tenure, I don't think you're going to like this rye. Yeah. This is a very spicy, peppery rye without any sweetness to the finish at all. It just stops abruptly. There's a little sweetness when you first sip it, and then boom, pepper, spice, spice, pepper. 
I agree that it is a bit of a quick finish and it is very dry finish. It's not as good as the Willett family estate rye. No, no, no. Um, but if you like a really spicy rye, um, I think I like this a little better than a High West Double Rye. Well, it's interesting. I'd like to get that out and try. We haven't had it for a while. Yeah, the High West Double Rye is terrific. I mean, I get the pepper. Very intense. Mm-hmm. It's not a burn. That's the, the spiciness pep- that we, yeah, we talk about with spice. rye. Yeah. It's not a burn. It's the pepper. And I don't taste the dill. I don't taste the sweet. And I'm not enjoying. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't be sorry. You like what you like. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's if I stuck up my tongue and you put like pepper on my tongue. No, it's that strong. Yeah. It is that strong. And that's what yeah. Ed was saying where he wasn't really enjoying it yeah. either. I smell it. Like when I go to smell it, I get dill, but I also get like I'm smelling pepper off like a plate that has pepper on it. Like, yeah. So is this episode a complete failure? Is that what we're no, talking I'm not, about? No, it's, I, I, I want to. <laughs> no, no, we're educating. Giving advice and educating. The rye whiskey a is not a terrible rye whiskey. Remember, it's also at a $32 price point. Yes. So for $32, you're getting a high proof, complex, peppery rye. I would like to take bullet next to this because it's the same mash bill. I wonder what that would taste like right it's so different though oh, so let's right. find out pause real quick yeah, yeah. All right, so we just came back from pouring a splash of Bullet Rye, the house whiskey for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast. <laughs> yes. And the interesting point here is both made with the MGP 95.5 mash bill, 95% rye, 5% malted barley. And from just the smell I did for both of them, they're completely different. It's ridiculous. So we're going to try it right now. How do they do um, this? Again, the pepper is peppery, spicy, very complex. Intense but, in the other but one. The water helps a little bit. I had some on ice cubes and it's opened it up. It's I feel like a little bit sweeter. Yeah. But. When I go to the bullet rye. 10 proof difference. Not quite, right? Uh, this is 90, I think. Bullet's 90? Is it bullet? I thought it's 92. Why do I think that? Uh, Well, I don't know. It's right there. Hold on. I don't know why I think that. Yeah, Scott's been right every fucking time. I don't even know why I question him. <laughs> yes, yeah, 90. I should just be like, oh, it's 90. And then if it's wrong, let you look wrong and look stupid for change. Every time I try to come up, it's like I'm wrong. Um, so, the, the one, so it's a 10 point difference. <laughs> a 10 proof difference, rather. Right. But the bullet's much sweeter. And it, it, it we say it's not a traditional tasting rye. I would say that the James and Pepper is his name. The James right. Jamesy Pepper, one of the spiciest ryes I've ever tasted. It's completely in your face. It's up your nose. It's it's at your anus. It's, it's, it's fucking yes. insane. There's My, you exactly now taste the difference between that and the bullet ride i just took a sip of the pepper thing and i hit my fucking with the pepper <laughs> came at your anus. yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is bullet yeah. rye i'm at your anus <laughs> hello hi oh. dr schwartz at your cervix <laughs> <laughs> i'm dilated to meet you <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> old drum rivers jokes <laughs> The whiskey jug says I that. Love you, Scott. <laughs> the bullet. I love you too, Sue. Oh my god. No. So, okay. All right. So real quick, the whiskey jug says that it's a great example of the tasty MGP rye that always carries a nice big dollop of spice and dill. A few drops of water unlock a bit more sweetness in the form of brown sugar. Exactly. What and you also said. a bit of chalk. What the fuck? <laughs> Fucking him with the damn chalk. But that's what you said. You said to put, put a little bit of uh, water on it. Oh, yeah, right, right. No fucking brown sugar. 
random belligerence. Oh it's my all, god. Oh, it oh. is all pepper. Oh, random belligerence. It finally <laughs> happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm tasting the bullet, and I'm like, it's like butterflies. Yeah, yeah. no, it's true. No, no, it's, Sue, you're not wrong. It's the just, butterfly you know, for the same price point. Yeah. The butterfly. The bullet. Yeah. R- the butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> the bullet ride for the same price point. I think blows the doors off. The, oh my but god! I, I will tell you what the uh, whiskey jug finished up. Though it's a perfectly drinkable whiskey, if it's your taste, the 50% ABV and the high spice give the whiskey the power it needs. To not just give support to a cocktail, but stand out in the mix. It's a well-rounded whiskey. Mm. And I would probably agree with that. And you know what? Anders probably agrees with that, too. I, I can't agree with it until I taste it. Until I a cocktail it. with it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Get, the, get out the cocktail. Uh, I'm not going to agree cocktail. with it. Get out the sweet vermouth and the well, cherries. Well, both, <laughs> both of these, are the bourbon and the rye, are going to be making a lot of cocktails for Scott and I in the That's upcoming true. months. That's true. Yeah. I will have the rye on the rocks or neat, but the bourbon, ugh. The bourbon's now, ass. The pepper? <laughs> the do you think ass. the pepper would go well with the, the what we were just talking about? It would about, go the really- lemonade or yeah. the yeah. diet cherry sure. Coke? Oh, sure. sure. Oh, yeah. Because sure. it could, it could, it'll counter the sweetness. Right. It'll go good with an old-fashioned because a simple syrup will temper that pepper mm-hmm. down and make a really interesting drink. It'd probably okay. make a great had- Manhattan. And if I'm in a sweet mood, I'll go for the bullet rye. If I'm in a really spicy mood, I'm going to go for the pepper. See, no, I don't agree. You uh, have been turned off because of your uh, issues with your mother and (laughs) putting pepper on your tongue for saying the word damn uh, as she said off air and you have been ruined for really spicy rise forever you know if you had the bullet in front of me Mm -hmm. and this peppery shit (laughs) i'm gonna choose the bullet two thousand times over okay Um, the only reason why i would add something to this peppery shit it was because just to make it taste better right which is why every cocktail was ever invented but making still. bad whiskey taste better <laughs> uh, jeff um what do you think of the comparison i mean i really just don't like it it's, it's yeah. you don't like the pepper it's too spicy okay i don't like spicy yeah. things okay I oh i see yeah see that's the thing with me is um i don't have very good taste buds so i really <laughs> i need really um intense flavors in order to taste them at any quantity okay. so like something that this Thank bold you. is probably to me a lot milder than what you're experiencing oh, wow okay a whiskey should not remind you of drinking like a bloody mary <laughs> it should also not remind you of punishment from your right, right. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. all right since these uh, uh, yes. since we didn't really like either of these two whiskeys uh let's save this podcast <laughs> <laughs> by telling some whiskey jokes how about that <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bungholes Comedy Club, where we give you the very best in whiskey-centric comedy. Please silence all cell phones, Boo. abide by your six-drink minimum, dicks, and remember to tip your waitresses whenever they decide to show up. Wait, they're waitresses? And oh, do we have a show for you tonight. Now presenting the comedic stylings of the Whiskey Tangent Podcast co-hosts, reading random whiskey jokes off the internet. You suck! Alright, so a man walks into a bar and orders a whiskey. Okay. When the barman serves it up, he takes it out to the bench in front of the bar to drink it. As he's enjoying his drink, a nun walks by and glares at him sourly. How can you pollute your soul with the devil's drink like that, she asks. The man shrugs. It's not the devil, it's just whiskey. But it's sinful and wicked, she says. How do you know it's so bad, then? Have you ever tasted whiskey? Of course not! My sisters and mother superior told me how evil the drink is. But how do they know? Have they ever had a drink? Well, no, the nun replies, seeming to relent. I suppose that if I were to try a sip of whiskey, I would better understand how it corrupts the soul. 
but it wouldn't do for any of my sisters to come here and see me drinking. Could you order me one in a teacup? The man agrees that this is fair and walks inside to the bartender. Two whiskeys, but put one in a teacup, please. The bartender pounds the bar and shouts, is that damn nun still here? (laughs) That's awesome. That's a good one, right? Yes. If you like that one, you'll like this one. A Scottish farmer walks into a neighborhood pub and orders a whiskey. You see that fence over there? He says to the bartender. I dug up the holes with my shovel, chopped down the trees, and have posted my own self, laid every last rail. But do they call me McGregor the fence builder? No, he shouts. He gulps down the whiskey and orders another. You see that pier on the lock? He continues. I built that one myself too. Swam out to the lock to lay the foundations. Laid down every single board, but do they call me McGregor the pier builder? No, he shouts. He gulps down a second whiskey and orders a third. You see that boat out there tied to that pier? I built that one as well. Pounded every nail and made it waterproof and seaworthy with my own damn hands. But I ask ye, do they call me McGregor the shipbuilder? No, he shouts. He gulps down the third whiskey and pauses. But you fuck one sheep. <laughs> oh my god! I know anybody goody. Only but a goody. <clears throat> a bartender. Oh wait, a man walks. You got into- one. You got one. I got one. Right. A man walks into a bar. Bartender says, "What do you have?" Man says, "I'll have a beer and a shot of whiskey before the trouble starts." Bartender shakes his head, gives him his drinks. All night, each time the bartender asks for his order, the man says, "I'll have a beer and a shot of whiskey before the trouble starts." Father bartender asks the man what trouble he's talking about. The man says, well, give me a beer and I might just tell you. The bartender says, I'm sorry, but you've had your limit for the night. The man says, oh, and now the trouble starts. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this man walks into a bar and orders 10 shots of whiskey. The bartender asks, wow, what's the matter? I found out my brother is gay. The bartender nods and pours the shots. The next day, the same man walks into the bar and orders 15 shots of whiskey. The bartender asks, ah, you're back. What's the matter this time? Well, now I found out that my son is gay. The bartender nods and pours the shots. On the third day, the same man walks into the bar again and orders 20 shots. Mm. The bartender asks, wow, again? He says, yep, I found out my dad is gay. The bartender nods and pours the shots. On the fourth day, the same man goes to the bar again and orders 50 shots of whiskey. The bartender asks, so damn, does anyone in your family like women? And the guy says, yeah, my wife, apparently. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. I got two really good ones left. You got any good ones? I got one real quick. Okay, guy. Guy walks into a bar with a piece of asphalt under his arm. Hmm. Bartender's like, okay. Guy's like, hey, man, give me two shots. One for me and one for the road. (laughs) 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 That's funny, but so dumb. (laughs) I told that to my cousin's husband, Jeff, because he's actually in the asphalt business. I'm like, Uh, how many asphalt jokes do you have? Uh, You're an asphalt. Right. So, Sue, this is a whiskey joke and a blonde joke. Okay. Ready? I haven't heard a blonde joke in like three minutes. No, but it's also a whiskey joke. <laughs> okay. Right. So an old blind cowboy wanders into an all-girl biker bar by mistake. He finds his way to a bar stool and orders a shot of whiskey. After sitting there for a while, he yells at the bartender, hey, you want to hear a blonde joke? The bar immediately falls silent. And the woman next to him says, before you tell that joke, I think it's only fair because you're blind that you should know four things. The bartender is a blonde woman with a baseball bat. The bouncer is a blonde woman with a club. 
I'm a six foot tall blonde woman with a black belt in karate. And the woman sitting next to me is a blonde professional weightlifter. Awesome. Now, think about it seriously. Do you still want to tell that joke? The blind cowboy thinks for a second, shakes his head and says, hell no. Not if I'm going to have to explain it four times. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't get it. <laughs> blonde. All right. So, all right. Here's the last joke I have. A priest hooks a huge fish and a sailor standing nearby helps him reel it in. Whoa, the sailor shouts. Look at that size of that fucker. Mind your language, says the priest. Embarrassed, the sailor thinks quickly and blurts out, sorry, father, but that's what the fish is called. It's a fucker fish. (laughs) We see them out on the ocean all the time. Really? The priest says, holding the fish high. Well, then it really is a big fucker. And he takes the fish back to his church. Look at this huge fucker, says the priest to the bishop. (laughs) language please the bishop says this is god's house no 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 that's what the fish is called the priest says a sailor told me so oh says the bishop in that case let's clean this fucker and have it for dinner (laughs) so the bishop takes the fish cleans it and brings it to the mother superior could you cook this fucker for dinner tonight (laughs) yes sir my what language she exclaims no no that's what the fish is called a fucker says the bishop the priest said a sailor told him so Oh, all right then. Wonderful. The mother superior says, I'll cook this fucker tonight. The Pope is coming for dinner. (laughs) Later that evening, after the priest, the bishop, the mother superior, and the Pope have had their dinner, the Pope asked them how they came by such a delicious fish. Well, I caught the fucker, said the priest. And I cleaned the fucker, said the bishop. And I cooked the fucker, said the mother superior. The Pope's face turns from questioning to surprise, and he stares at them for a good minute with a steely gaze. Finally, he reaches into his robes and pulls out a flask of whiskey and pours himself a dram. He slams it back and says, you know what? You cunts are all right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. After tonight, man, with the whiskeys we had tonight, I feel like my relation with whiskey is kind of on the rocks. Mm. (laughs) Yes. Good one. To wrap this up, and I think it's time. Yes. Um, <laughs> to celebrate the July 4th holiday, we visited the 1776 brand for James E. Pepper. And I will come back to them when they have their own product. Yeah. I don't like what they've done with the bourbon at all. Mm. I respect what they've done yeah. with the rye for the price point. It's actually a very interesting whiskey. Sure. I don't care for it. Sure. It doesn't mean it's not good. But if you like a really spicy and peppery rye whiskey at a good price point, the 1776 rye is a nice spirit. Yeah, you know, definitely not buying the bourbon again. I'm just trying to decide whether I would buy the rye again because there's so many more ryes that I enjoy better than right. this. My statement Don't that I waste like waste your money. Yeah, right. The statement that I said earlier that I I think I like this better than the High West Double Rye. I I think that needs to be tested because I I don't think that because you loved the Double Rye. When I, it came I absolutely out. love it. Yeah. All right. So all right. Thank you so much for checking us out. I mean, not you know what we've done pretty well on here hitting home runs. We have. Um, I was excited about this brand. I mean, I can't drink it out of the bottle. Like, it's hard to find a bourbon that I can't get down. And I'm not even sure I want to make a fucking Manhattan with it. <laughs> I'm going to take the bottle home with me and see what I can do. This is a bizarre experiment. Yeah, I'm going to probably try to put it where, or between me and my kids. All my kids are drinking age level, and they hit my whiskey. So yeah. I might try to tell them it's great and let them <laughs> drink it because I don't like it. And I don't know that their palate can tell the difference. But they put Coke and shit all over it, so... Yeah, you know, better that than get my smoke wagon all covered in Dr. Pepper. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> no anyway, that. I really want to thank 
Sue and Jeff for joining us today. Yes. Great to have you back, guys. It's been a lot of fun. We did a short earlier. You're going to hear next week. Yeah, it's a pleasure as always. I love it. So for the Whiskey Tangent Podcast, I'm Ed. I'm Scott. I'm Sue. And I'm Jeff. I'm going to go home and French kiss my bottle of Sagamore Rye. (laughs) Oh. Cast strength. (laughs) Cast strength. Yeah, to get the bad taste out of your mouth. Right. (laughs) We're all going to drink something different in the night. There's so many things I got to do to get this taste out of my mouth. Oh, boy. Sorry, Pepper. Yeah. Sorry. We tried. Yeah. Love you. Bye. (laughs) Later. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, be sure to check out our next episode, which is way better than this one. Oh, yeah. Also, follow and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Whiskey Tangent. And follow us on Twitter at Whiskey Tangent. You can follow me personally at That Whiskey Guy. And follow Scott at Giant Cup of Awesome, spelled A-W-S-U-M, just to be annoying. Hey! You can email us any questions, comments, or love at whiskeytangent at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us always at our podcast website, whiskeytangent.podbean.com.